We started this series on identity. And I believe that one of the ways that we are attacked by Satan is identity. And, you know, Pastor Kelly spoke to that a little bit today about how one of the things that we identify by is our sin. And so even though that might be who we were in the past, sometimes we have a difficult time shaking those titles that are placed on us, right? And we're not going to talk about that this week, but it gives you a sense of how we can be engulfed in identity and sometimes confused in our identity and who we are. You know, in moving on to what we're discussing this week, there are many ideas of how we came to be on this earth. As there are all those various beliefs and ideas on how the earth was formed, how we became people, I want to encourage you, even amongst all those ideas in the world, every single one of them. Take, for example, the Big Bang. Let's say we are entertaining the idea of the Big Bang. I want to tell you that even in the Big Bang, it had to occur through one big miracle. You catch that? So there is nothing that we can look to that says this is just happenstance. There still had to be some cataclysmic miracle for in order for that to happen, okay? So if you consider those things, then I think we need to reasonably approach that if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we have looked at Scripture as saying, I look at this as truth as we talked about this week, and then I have also said that I look at Scripture as inerrant, that means without flaw. It's perfect, okay? I also choose to read the Word of God as literal. I look at it as the literal Word of God. In fact, the Gospel of John refers to Jesus as the Word. Have you heard that before? And as John talks about Jesus, it gives us insight into ourselves. And I want to read that for you right, right now. It's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And there's a couple scriptures we're going to start off with today. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, in the beginning, everyone say, in the beginning. The word, say word. Now look at that. Word is capitalized. That's because John is referring to Jesus. So it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. So in the beginning, the beginning as we know it, not the beginning as God knows it. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. Are you catching this? So through the word, or through Christ, everything was created, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. So what I want you to imagine real quick, at the time of creation, Jesus already existed. In fact, God created time. So when we refer to the beginning, we are referring to God starting time with his creation. 
and Jesus is a part of the Godhead, he already was. So the gospel is specific that God created everything through Jesus. It goes on to say that the word being Jesus gave life to everything that existed. And as much as John's gospel was written after Christ came to the earth, what I want to do now is let's look at the original account of creation in Genesis and see if it sheds any light on anything being created outside of just the singular God. Let's look at Genesis 1, 24 through 20, 28. So Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 24. It says, Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for your word. And Lord, there's a lot of truth here today. And Lord, we can, we can get a little deep in this. And God, I just pray that um, even the most basic elements of your creation, we can understand what your word is saying. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in talking about identity and talking about where we came from, and it, it is in identity that we gain direction, amen? It is through that identity that we gain direction. And one of the things that we must establish, as his word states, we are created in his image. But did you notice it says, let us make man in our image. God designed you after him. In Genesis 1.26, as I said, God is clear, let us make man in our image. And so it clearly speaks to what is mentioned in John chapter 1, that it wasn't just God singular, but a Godhead working together in agreement. And so Jesus, he is present at the creation of the heaven and the earth, and he is present at the creation of men. And all men, I want you to catch this, all men, both good and evil, were created by God. Are you hearing me? Now, here's what I want us to begin to understand and develop in understanding that God created both good, he, he, he had a hand in the creation of men that became both good and evil. And when I say men, I am talking mankind, so I'm talking all of mankind. James 3.9, I want you to listen to what this says, James 3.9. 
And this is James talking about the tongue. He says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So this is James talking about the tongue and how both good men and bad men are manipulated into either cursing God or praising him. And I want us to understand something because I am teaching some some elements of truth here today that mankind still wrestles with all the time when trying to discover who God is. Being created in his image means that we have the free will to make our own choices. You and I have the free will to make our own choices. So man can choose to seek and have a relationship with God, or they can choose to curse God. But God created both. And in order to be created in his image, that requires that we have our own will where we choose to serve or we don't serve him. And praise God that we are not under obligation to serve him, but we can choose. Amen? So some of you here, if you are wrestling to try and get an idea of what God looks like, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Some might think it sounds arrogant, but when you think of God's six-day creation, everything he created, he spoke into existence except for man. The word of God is clear about this. Listen to Genesis 2-7. It says, Then the Lord formed man, formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. I want you to think about this, because if you go back through the Genesis account, it's very clear. Everything else God spoke into existence, but when he created man, he got his hands dirty. And his word goes on to say that he breathed life into, it, into us. And, and it, it's, that, it's that same word, and this isn't it in the Hebrew, but it is it in the Greek as it translates, that he breathed that pneuma into us. So it isn't just the actual physical breath of God that brought life to mankind, but he breathed spirit into us at that time. And so what we learn is he formed you. That's why I said he got his hands dirty. He went to work on you. And not just at the creation account, but if you consider the words of Jeremiah, God takes his time in his creation of you as an individual. Listen to what Jeremiah says, or God says to Jeremiah, I should say, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. God's speaking to Jeremiah, and he says, Before I formed you in the womb... I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. King David says in Psalm 139, 14, he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
You know, we have several infants in the church right now. And those of you who just went through that wonderful process of giving birth. And hopefully you're, uh, you men were able to pull it all together and be there as much as you could. I, my first time, laid on the couch because I was about to pass out. I learned by the fourth one, I was just up by her head, I was coaching, I was encouraging, and I did everything I could to just keep my eyesight focused on the face of my wife. But I gotta tell you, for the husband, it became real once that infant had exited the womb. Now, for my wife, it was real the whole time. She felt all of it, right? But now I am staring at that infant and I'm like, oh no, I'm in trouble. And I really said that when we had our daughter. But I looked at that life as a gift and precious. You know, as Job struggled with his health, what got him through all those difficulties, if we read through the entire book of Job, he was recognized he was created by God. And so what can get you through life is recognizing that an, an omnipotent God who created all things also created you from inside your mother's womb. Hold on to that truth. Hold on to that gift. Because many people lose it. And when they lose it and when times get difficult, they have nothing to grab a hold of. And so these truths to me speak to the sanctity and importance of life. And no matter how we are brought into this world, God designed us, he cares for us, and he wants us to connect with him. And so something else that, that we, we have a hard time wrestling with today, this is going to seem outlandish to some, the earth was created for you in mind. The earth was created for mankind. Everything in God's design was for mankind. You know, man was created on the sixth day, if we read in Scripture, but everything God did in the five days leading up to the creation of man, he did for his pleasure, but he did for us in mind, for you in mind. And so I am one of those that if we're to go back to science class, going, going to school, I hold firm to the creation account speaking to a literal six-day creation. If we believe God has the power to heal, if we believe God has the ability to move one mountain from here to there, we can believe that God can speak everything to, into existence in the matter of five days. And I believe the age of the earth, because I, I know many people have these kind of questions. I believe the age of the earth is determined or, or understood, I should say, through Scripture. 
And the misconception by scientists, and scientists tend to not agree on the age of the earth, is explained because of the effects of sin when we look through the lens of Scripture. What I find fascinating is no two scientists agree, it seems, on the age of the earth. Because methods that have been used, such as carbon dating, it's used as a measuring tool, and carbon dating has been proven a faulty method to measure time. And I can explain why. For, for anyone who has ever read um, Ken Ham, Ken Ham, a known creationist, created the group Answers in Genesis, and in an article from June 1st, 1995, entitled, The Pigs Took It All. What they did was they, they, these, these pigs that, that were ancient were excavated, and carbon dating was done, and they were excavated in 1967. Carbon dating was eventually done in 1969, and they had the skull of this pig. And the pig was determined through carbon dating to be between 212 to 230 million years old. But here's something interesting. They also excavated the rock that was underneath the pigs. That rock was determined to be to 2 to 5 million years old through the same carbon dating methods. And so what they did was they changed the age of the pig skull based off the dating of the rock rather than just going off the age of what they found of the skull of the pig itself. And then they revisited it 10 years later. And they got a much older age through the testing of carbon dating. And regular tests since then have been done on decomposition, getting different results every time, resulting in a different date. And what I truly believe, and, and a world has a hard time reconciling with, that what, what sin naturally does, it decays a world that is relatively young compared to what non-creationists believe. And so Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 from the original translation speaks to God creating man so that man might have dominion over the earth and every living thing. And this idea is contrary to an evolutionist on how man came just as accidental or happenstance because then you can see that, that the earth and everything in it was created for us. And maybe you can begin to see that without understanding of God, it can leave more questions than answers. But, in light of Scripture, we can gain the sense of how things came to be and how things even exist today. Two weeks ago, my family and I, we were standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. It was on Sunday during service. So two weeks ago, right now, we were standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. And I'm just marveling over the colors and everything I see. And the, there was a particular point we were standing, and there, there was a sign that said, if you look at this specific point across the canyon, that is exactly 18 miles away. And it was a crystal clear day, so I could see everything. And it, it, it also mentioned that at the deepest point of the canyon is 6,000 feet. 
And I remember standing, standing right at the edge, and we're looking down, and you can see the Colorado River. And I said to Wendy, I said, I think I see two rafts down there. And these rafts looked about the size of a gnat. But I could see the two rafts going through the river. And what's interesting about the Grand Canyon, scientists and creationists both agree that water is what forms the canyons. And where it varies is that it happened over a period of time, but creationists point to a single event. I want you to look at Genesis 8-2, just for a moment. And this is a account of the flood. If we look at Genesis 8-2, you might be able to get an idea. It said, now the springs of the deep, everyone say deep, and the floodgates of heaven had been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. So what we read here in Scripture is there are several things that occurred that not only rain was falling from the sky, but there was water rushing from the depths of the earth, which we know there, there is tons of water inside the earth. So it doesn't just speak to significant rainfall, but it speaks to springs that came forth from the earth at a great force. And what we find interesting about, if you look at the layers of the Grand Canyon, they are still finding that 2,950 feet above sea level they're finding marine fossils. Interesting. They found it on other mountaintops, but, you know, just being relevant to the fact that I was just there. The, the proof is there. You just have to accept it as truth. And it's hard to wrap your mind around these things. Why would God do that? Well, we find, the, we find those evidences in Scripture. And I didn't want to get too sidetracked from our main subject today, but this is to show that God speaks truth in his creation, God speaks truth in all the biblical accounts. And we know that there are good men, there are evil men. But the bottom line is, at the initial creation, we were created in his pleasure, in his image. I want you to listen to Revelation 4.11. It says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Church, I want to tell you that even in our sin, we can still look to ourselves as evidence of an intelligent creator. The workings of our bodies, it speaks to his intelligent design. From the working of our bloodstream, providing life to the body, to our nervous system, to have the ability to feel, to our immune system, and it's fighting of infection. It's absolutely amazing. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork. There are translations that say we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another truth about God, that God didn't introduce sin. Man introduced it. 
man introduced sin. So when we choose to sin, we open the door to the knowledge of good and evil. We choose that. So Adam and Eve in the garden, that is what they chose. God said, God said, partake of every tree but that one. And so when they chose to sin against God, they chose that door. They chose that knowledge. They chose also death and decay. But what that also did was it closed the door to complete access to God. Imagine being Adam and Eve and before the fall of mankind to be in the full presence of God. Do you know to be in the full presence of God, it requires us to be sanctified. And for those who might not understand what that word is, it requires us to be consecrated or pure or without sin. Okay? So I want to be clear about this. When I talk about sin decay and the effects of the earth, sin, I'm not referring to our personal sin, but sin in general has an effect on everything it touches. I'm going to read a quote from Systematic Theology. This is on page 444. It's a big book. Okay. It says, since man has sinned, he is certainly not as fully like God as he was before. His moral purity has been lost and his sinful character certainly does not reflect God's holiness. His intellect is corrupted by falsehood and misunderstanding. His speech no longer continually glorifies God. His relationships are often governed by selfishness rather than love and so forth. Now listen to this. Though man is still in the image of God, in every aspect of life, some parts of that image have been distorted or lost. So the more we allow in sin, the more we allow in our lives, the more corrupted our minds become about God and who God is. But the image of God is also what makes us human. And we can only lose his image if we cease to be. So I believe there is still hope for all of mankind. And I want to tell you, that is the very reason why man is still redeemable. It's not too late. That is why God still sent his son, Jesus Christ, because God doesn't give up on his creation. He doesn't give up. And it's because of the need to be cleansed, to be in God's presence, that it does require that perfect sacrifice in order for us to be reconciled to him, which required that Christ come down, which required that Christ live a perfect life, and required that he go to the cross for you and I so that we can be redeemed. God required the shedding of blood for the remission of our sins, and it is through that sacrifice of Jesus Christ that you and I have an opportunity to be reconnected with God. So understand, when Jesus is at the beginning of creation, and he is all a part of this, and and he is a witness to it, and he is also getting his hands dirty is what we've learned, that God has now used him to bridge us to God. And here's something else fascinating. As so many are hurting and so many are confused today, I can speak to that. 
God also created a longing in our hearts and a need in your life that only he can fulfill. Because what we learn in Scripture is that God planted eternity in your heart. He did that work. And he created us to share life with us. Let's look at Ecclesians chapter 3, verse 11. It says, yet God made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You know, that longing that has been created inside you for understanding and truth to seek and know why you're here, your purpose, what happens after you die, God planted that in you. That was God. And he did that so that once you find him, if you're seeking and once you find him, you can feel that connection to him to know that there is a God who does care for you. But yet, it's something fascinating about God that he still remains a mystery because of all the facets of his ways, that no matter how much we try to discover who he is, the more we find we don't know. But there's comfort in it. And what I've found is that if you feel unsatisfied in life, the only thing that can fill that void is Jesus. At creation, God, he regularly walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Do you know that because of Jesus, you can still walk daily with God? He makes that way. He makes himself available. And you and I, you and I, our connection to God is through Jesus Christ. That is our connection. I want to look at what Jesus says in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus, what he does is he completes the longing for eternity that God planted in our hearts because by God's design, he wants to spend eternity with you. And if you want to take it a step further, and this is where we're going to be going in two weeks, because of Jesus Christ, we learn in Romans 8 that you and I are adopted into the kingdom of God. Because of Jesus Christ and the work that he did, we are called heirs to the kingdom of God. That because of Christ, we get those rights. I don't know about you. I have my failings. They're actually, they're, they're many. But you and I can come into what we call a right relationship with God by allowing the work that he did through his son, Jesus Christ, to cover our sin, to redeem us, to set us free. And what I have found is that I find my identity in knowing. He created me. He sent his son for me. And the way that I can be reconciled to him, the way that I find myself on a path where I'm sure-footed is surrendering my life daily to 
Jesus. And realizing that those things that I've done, I don't have to be identified by. I'm set free. So that past life, that past thing you have done, God doesn't see you as that person. He looks at you and he sees his son. Sanctified. Consecrated. Cleansed. Where you have the right to then enter into the throne room of God for eternity. That's what I need. That's the life that I want to live. One that's through him because I, I'm a failure. I've proven that. I've proven it time and time again. But if I look to him, if I cling to that, and if I let his life be my aim, I can't fail. And I can trust and know that he has made that way for me. He has made that way for you as an individual. And that's what I embrace. Church, embrace it today. I'm going to ask that you just close your eyes for a moment. And I want to invite our prayer team to come forward. I believe we have people in this room who are struggling. You might be struggling with identity. You might have other struggles and needs. And what I want you to do is I want you to use this opportunity. You can go before the God of the universe, but the same God who took time in creating you. And you can just embrace his love for you and his care for you. Knowing that not only did he create all things, but he took time in designing you and he intimately wants to be in your life. That's the God I serve. And that's the God that you can connect with. And so I encourage you. Come up and seek that God today. And these people up here, what they're going to do, they're going to be advocates for you. They're going to lead you in connecting with God. They're going to speak into your life. And they can also be a confidant. Anything you tell them, they'll keep in confidence. So what I want to do is I want to pray over you and I want you to take this opportunity right now to just seek the Lord and what he might be speaking to you. Father God, we come to you, the God of the universe, the God who created all things. The God that spoke everything into existence, but Lord, when you created us, Lord, you took your time. You used your hands. You breathed your spirit into us. And God, there are people all throughout this room that, Lord, there are still so many questions. But God, in you, we also find answers along the way. And so, God, I pray for a spirit of just surrender unto you this morning.
God's submission and understanding, Lord, that they are redeemed through your Son. So God, I pray that in boldness they can approach you this morning through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And thank you, God. If everyone could stand up right now, we're going to sing. But as we do, the, the Spirit of God might be working on you that you just say, I need prayer today. I need the Spirit of God. Maybe it's you choosing Jesus for the first time. Maybe it's you crying out for healing in your life, or maybe you've wrestled with identity and you want to find it in the Lord. I encourage you to just find a prayer partner that's up here. They want to speak into your life. They want to pray with you. So as we sing, I just encourage you to step out if the Spirit leads you.